Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. JJ Ferrari, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be here, Jules. You know I love you. Well, I have to say we've only met each other actually, when I think about it, since COVID started, I think, is when we first met. Yeah, actually. So I'm yet to meet you in person, but I certainly feel like I've got to know you over this period. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I love that we have these, we have really cool conversations and I mean, they go ping, 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 ping all over the place, <laughs> but boy, oh boy, I really come away from it energized and with, you know, some new ideas and insights. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, this is all about you, not me. So (laughs) what I want to start is, tell us about what you do now. Now, I know you've had lots of ins and outs in your careers and lots of changes. Yes. But what have you landed on? What are you doing now? Um, So um, you want to know what the business is exactly? Yeah, sorry. I want to know about the business. And I want you to tell us all about what... How you taking over the world? So my business is actually called Go Bold. And what I do is um, I serve small businesses by developing experts. Um, It sounds really strange, but what I provide small and medium businesses is knowledge to grow on. That's that's my purpose. And let me tell you what what it means is that I search out the best of the best. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that call themselves an expert, but there's a big difference when you find somebody who's an expert authority, somebody who's a professional, right? Um, right? And we take those people and they can have business skills or they can have lifestyle skills. And I work with them to make sure that that is, you know, usable knowledge and not bubblegum information, as I call it. So, (laughs) um, and we just trained them through our system on how to actually get new clients, how to actually use the 22 different ways of being able to show off your skills and talents and be able to get new clients. But in the process of taking care of experts at that level. Hang on, hang on, before you go any further, what's it called? You haven't told us what it's called. Go Bold. Oh, Go Bold, what a great name. Okay, so keep going. Sorry, I just wanted to get that in early so people can start salivating. Oh, no, that's what I was saying. So it's called Go Bold. And um, we have a a public side and we have a paid side to what we do on it. Um, And we put so much information in both sides just because small and medium-sized businesses get ripped off way too much. And experts need to also be able to learn to to trust you because there's a lot of big trust issues in business, right? Because there's a lot of Absolutely. false things out there. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Sharks. There's heaps of sharks. I mean, I'm one of those naive people who really trust people at face value and has, has had to learn the hard way that you shouldn't, that really you do need to... Um, an expert is not just somebody who decides to call themselves an expert. Uh, can I tell you... You know, it, it works on both sides. I mean, as, as a consumer, right, we can get ripped off yep. really easy. But if you're an yep. expert and you're helping people and, and taking care of them, well, I think there needs to be, you're looking for the right kind of small and medium business to work with as well. Because last year I worked with 28 major clients and I can tell you that, you know, we got really good results. But out of yep. those, maybe six or seven were really thankful for what they got. And then yeah. maybe two ever really reciprocated in in a way that was 
you know, what I would consider suitable. So, yeah, so it works both ways. You can get really ripped off, um, but yep. consumers have to be, when they get good information, you know, they need to be a little bit more thankful. <laughs> yeah, and act on it as well. I mean, yeah, it's all well and good saying thanks very much, but actually go, because we are all happy to help people if we, if we think that we can, but you do want someone at the other end to go, I appreciate that, and I'm actually going to go off and do it as yes. well. So. I agree with you. So tell me more about Go Bold and what it actually involves and how it works for business mm. or business owners. For, for the business owners. Um, yeah. Think of it this way. Um, if you came into a store, right, and you've been shopping all over the place and you've been looking for um, the right product, um, what I've built is a way for someone to be able to come in to be able to um, ask and see what type of categories of products and services we actually offer there to be able to, you know, create almost a little bit of a profile for themselves, just like you would if you were going shopping. You'd make a shopping list so you knew what you were looking for, right? Yep, yep. So this helps you to actually understand exactly how to go into this portal, how to find the right experts, how to find the right products, the right information, right? And all the time, what, we're, what we've done is we've made sure that every single product, every single expert that's in there has been scored. There's a number of reviews. You can see their number of stars. So we actually have made it so that we've taken and made it easy for you to find the experts that will work for you. And you've got oh, that so- is such such a good idea. I love the idea of the reviews. Oh, thank you. Because... You know, there are other places we can go where it's all over the place and you just hope that, you know, you remember to go and even check their reviews. The fact that you've got them in there makes it so easy for business owners. So what sort of services are you going to be offering within the portal? Well, like I said, we only we we cater to um, our small and medium businesses by actually growing experts. So experts have to have and I can't name them all, but I'll give you a sample of some of the ways that we actually offer really good free information. So we do podcasts. Podcasts have become really common, but uh, you are a guest on my show. You know that I don't I don't sit on the surface. I ask you to go through four different types of information, solutions, steps, give me some great stories, but be able to know your statistics. So when I'm talking to an expert, I know that we're actually getting information to the small and medium businesses that that they're going to be able to use. You hear it, you can write it down, and bang, you could use it. So we've done that. We've got what we call 12-minute problem-solving videos, and it's an encyclopedia of all the small and medium-sized problems. And then we've got experts at a whiteboard walking you through how to actually solve single problems that will help you to actually change the course of your business quickly. Um, We do have a bookstore, but it's only with the experts that we've actually found that um, the books are really, really helpful and useful. Um, I read 45 books last month because I've actually, you know, studied (laughs) how to read books. Um, Right. But you, you study and you look for the very best of the best. So out of the 45, we only ended up with 20 of those books, right? Right. So, and then we've got all these other ways for um, our experts to start to really showcase themselves. Um, and that's really what's unique. You can actually pick up um, uh, uh, the phone and you can talk to our experts. Um, you can book in time with them, which is pretty unique. Yeah, amazing. 
And what sort of experts have you got? I mean, not necessarily names, but can you give me some sort of areas of expertise? Yeah, actually, what we've done is when you look at small and medium businesses, having done consulting in over 1,800 businesses and 150 industries, it was really easy to know what the key categories are when someone's got a small or medium business, what they're looking to fix. So we've got the 12 key categories um, up on the site, and then there are over 50 subcategories that you can dig into, and that's just on the business side. And the subcategories, for example, um, you, you're never going to find uh, um, an expert in marketing who knows how to do all of the marketing. No. Right? Well, so, because then they become a jack of all trades, really, rather than an expert, I guess. Exactly. Then they're a generalist, not a specialist. You know? yeah, yeah. And so like yourself, I mean, you are a expert, a specialist in PR and and yeah. not only PR, you could actually go one more level of specialization. You teach people how they do it themselves. And that's I amazing. Do. Yeah. Right. Yep. So but I wouldn't begin to say that I know digital marketing or that I understand how advertising works properly or any of that kind of stuff. So exactly. I see but but that's what makes that's what makes it so good is that we've got those categories and we've drilled down to make sure that we um, have experts in all those different areas and they don't get to be a generalist. Oh, I'm a marketing person. What yeah, kind right. of marketing person? If, even if you're doing sales, look, if you're doing yeah. sales and you're transactional like call center, fantastic. That's great. That's really needed, especially nowadays, yeah. right? Again. But if you're a relationship or a consultant based um, uh, selling specialist, well, we want to know that because that's how people will look for you to match their business needs. Yeah, I see. I see. Great. So what's the big why around this? Why did you set this up? What, what, what gap have you identified? Well, if I can be so bold, I got tired of seeing people <laughs> selling shit information. And oh, I love it that you're being bold. I, yeah, there's heaps and heaps of crap out there, that's for sure. Yeah, it was that. And I really detest the fact that people are so willing to steal money from the small and medium-sized businesses without having a clue of how to fix that business so that it can actually survive or grow or succeed. And so I wanted to make sure that we had a place that, that really helped small and medium businesses. Look, even our advertisers on our site, Jules, unless yep. it fits, fits with the information that's on there, if small and medium businesses aren't, um, the advertisers' clients, you'll never see them advertised on our site. But there's another reason why we started Go Bold, and that was because, you know, referrals are great, but again, there's no place to really showcase yourself. I mean, you can get a talent agent or you can no, you're right. go on social media, but I wanted a platform, I wanted a showcase for experts. And that's why we provide those 22 different ways to be able to reach out to SMBs so that they could get to know you and you can build a trust relationship if you can show that you can do it in multiple different ways. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are talented, who've got specializations, experience, who are just as frustrated as I am in competing yep. and losing to pseudo-experts, right? It's funny you should say that, actually, because there's a girl that I was coaching last year about PR, and I said to her, why are you doing PR? And she said, because I'm a coach. And she said, there are so many coaches out there. How do people even know whether you're any good or not? Yeah. And so she chose PR as the way to showcase herself. But 
for exactly the reason you're talking about. So was there a big light bulb moment? Was there sort of a kind of that's the final straw, I'm going to go and set up my own business kind of moment for you? Yeah, um, I went to buy a uh, a magazine and yeah. I started really looking at that industry. And, you know, journalists are actually... Um, an expert. They're professionals. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and even they don't have a place to be showcased well, right? So what is a magazine then? A magazine is actually great advertising surrounded by some articles that have been chopped up to hell and don't really show who the journalist is. Or there are a bunch of advertorials that don't do anything but try and pitch you. So yeah. one of the unique differences is I couldn't stand all of that advertising with no information. So that's what finally got me to the point. I started looking at it and you're held hostage by advertisers when you are, you know, when you're doing a typical publishing magazine. So I said, no, I'm not doing that. I wanted to make sure I had a way to showcase um, all the experts. And we are coming out with a magazine still. And it's long form journalism. And people are like, it'll never succeed. And I'm like, I've got so many <laughs> They're <experts."> so wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so long form um, articles that are that are actually give you the steps that actually tell you how to test your business that actually and it just goes through a beautiful format so we've created all of those things and just not finding it anywhere and being an expert myself yeah when you're when you start relying too much on social media um you're really in a bad place yeah i agree i agree and i also think that um uh, oh, I've forgot, completely forgotten. It'll come back to me in a minute. But it was, it was, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? It's right there on the tip of my tongue. Doesn't matter. It'll come back to me. So tell me about your entrepreneurial journey, because this isn't the. Is this? Well, let me ask. Is this the first business that you have set up yourself? No, no. I've actually. Okay, known so can, can you tell me? Because I'm guessing when you left school, you weren't thinking, I'm going to go up and set up a portal. I know what I was going to say on the back of that. The media is broken. I have been saying this for a while. The old advertising model is completely stuffed as far as I'm concerned. None of us want to see big batches, like you say, be held hostage, whether it's TV or radio or print. So if you can break that mould... <clears throat> and come up with a new model, I think you're three quarters of the way there already because it's just so desperately needed. Well, that, that's the idea because, you know, if you look at websites, websites are just as broken um, as media. Um, why do I say that? They are nothing but passive. And everyone thinks I'll build a website and I'm done. Well, websites don't market themselves. But no. <laughs> if you go and you start advertising yourself all over social media, well, come on, you just add, you just jumped into the bloody red ocean because that's where your competition is at. They really don't have any idea how to do it. I was really lucky um, that I got to work with so many experts a long time ago who didn't have internet, who didn't have social medias, and I learned how to market myself without any of those things. So yeah. that when you get referrals, when you get recognition, when you build a reputation, right, um, and yep. you're getting requests all over the place, um, it's it's done all without having to rely on social media and paid marketing, and that's what's actually been a, a really you know big bonus for me. But I, I've had an incredible entrepreneurial journey. I'd love to tell I know. You about so it. let's go back to that because you really are the most amazing woman. Can you um, t- tell us a little bit about it? And also, 
I guess the thought process that the processes and the business that has led you to where you are today, because there's a there's a lot of background. So you're not kind of just, oh, I think I'll just go and set up a portal for experts. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're really going to appreciate I can't imagine a better person to talk to about my entrepreneurial journey because you and your audience um, being, you know, predominantly 98%, 99% women will, will, yeah. will get this. And, and it might actually polarize some people, but I'm going to say it anyway. Cause... I don't care. Polarizing. Somebody said, I think it was when I started on TV and I went, oh my God, I don't want to say that. And my boss said to me, Jules, polarizing is good. It means you'll find your tribe and the people that aren't your tribe will disappear anyway. So oh, go on. All right, Hit so, us up with it. So let me let me just tell you about it. So um, it actually starts way back. Um, I got my parents to sign me up for Amway as a distributor when I was 16 years old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right? Good old Amway. It's and, the start of a whole lot of people's careers in sales. Oh, it did. And I, I found a niche there because um, I was earning about $750 a month passive residual income. And as a 16 year old, as a 16 year old, I had my second business at 17. Um, I talked to my mom and got her to convince my dad. Now, this is like this is mid 70s. OK. Yeah, um, right. And so here I am telling my mom, Mom, you need to help me. I need to talk to dad. I need to borrow ten thousand dollars for a business. Ten thousand dollars <laughs> from your 17 year old. And I right. promised I promised and um, I wish I had the piece of paper today, but I had told my dad that I would double the money in 90 days. Right. So my mom, what child even does that? So I, you, you were obviously savant. I don't know if I was a savant, <laughs> maybe just crazy, but yeah. I got my mom to get my dad to give me $5,000 and um, I didn't double it in 90 days. It took me 120 days to double my money in that business. And I gave my dad his money back. And, you know, at 17, when all my friends are driving around in jalopies, um, I, I bought a new car. So, you know, which was kind of fun. So I love that. But Jules, what I started doing was I started devouring every bit of personal development that I could get my hands on. So right. um, I was I was like eating it like candy. You know what I mean? It was just I just kept eating it. And what I started to notice was that all of the people who had really grown me up to the age of 16 were women. I saw the most powerful people in my life as being women. This sounds really stupid, so but but hear me out. Um, I saw men going to work, right? And that didn't seem powerful to me. But I saw my mom and all of her friends. My mom was my best friend, right? Yeah. I saw them taking care of the kids, taking care of the house, taking care of the finances, having this these group of friends, right? Um, they were solving any problem and every problem we ever had. And I oh, saw, yeah. right? And so yeah. I saw women as the powerful ones in my life. And I learned so much um, about that. And they were the ones who really taught me about that whole internal arts, you know, your intuition, listening, um, making sure that you understood language, actually picking your direction, making good decisions. All that came from being around women. Those internal arts are so important. And it's kind of weird that I'm watching women today actually trying to fight 
and grow like men. They're competing <laughs> and using external arts instead of remembering all of those incredible skills. Well, I think a lot of that, to be fair, is because it, up until now, and I firmly am of the belief that there is a revolution coming and it's coming from women. But I also think that up until now, and certainly through the 70s and the 80s, it was all about trying to, man, you know, to be like men. You're quite right. And not really looking inside and going, actually, you know, I can do 10 times as much stuff as the most of the men around me. Women are so, if, if women understand, and women, I don't think a lot of women actually want to practice those old skills, those internal no. things about intuition and things. But here's the most interesting thing. So those are my experts and all yep. of my guidance up till I was, you know, 16 years old and started into looking at things outside. And the most interesting thing to me was all the books, all the audios, all the experts were men. Yeah. And. Them. That's when I actually started to realize that I had a really major advantage because of all the internal teachers that I had. My mom was the first one. She got me around a number of other women and, and one very strong man. Um, but yeah. I, I actually started to grow that way. And so the most interesting thing is when I, when I got into business, right? Cause I didn't have yeah. any, I didn't have any experience in business. I was in the, um, I was in the, uh, the arts. I was into performing arts for um, most of oh, my twenties. Right. So professional. I didn't realize that. So what were you acting or, or professional what were you doing? acting, modeling, dancing? Oh my god! There you go. I love learning new things about people. So that's where you started off into your twenties. I did, um, but when I came away from from my mom, I actually started studying sciences as well. So I've got my degrees in biology, nutrition, nursing, and then started studying things like genetics and chaos theory and behavioral biology. I I really had some really cool things that I got to go through. You were so, certainly one very hungry for knowledge child or, or young adult. That's I for sure. always have loved knowledge. Yeah, and then. Um, I was 31 years old and I picked up a book called Unlimited Power by a guy named Tony Robbins. Right. Yeah. And um, quite a well-known name, I would suggest. Very well-known name. Right. And so I got that book and I started studying it and I did something that probably most people wouldn't do. I picked up the phone and I called this company and I said, I need to go to work for you guys. <laughs> wow. Amazing. And right. The, the woman says to me, oh, you know what? We we don't actually have any any jobs available right now in California. I said, that's good because I'm in Chicago. And she says to me. <laughs> You are kidding. She goes, actually, I do know that the guy who runs the franchise for Tony in Chicago is looking for salespeople. No. Yes. Wow. Isn't that serendipity? And Amazing. It was, so I went there to the office and, the, and uh, this guy, Michael Johnson, one of the most amazing um, speakers that I've actually ever run across. Um, he says, you know what? I actually just gave the last field sales position away. And I said, well, what else have you got? He said, well, I do need a telephone marketing manager. And I said, oh my God, that's actually my I'm your, forte. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one. Never picked up the phone in my life, right? <laughs> oh, isn't that interesting? Just having the nerve to do that. I've been talking with people about, you know, going yeah. for things when opportunities arise, even if you don't think you're fully qualified. Oh, heck it's yeah. It's interesting. 
And so that was my first um, uh, first experience in working for the Robbins Corporation. And uh, because of that, I ended up um, writing an entire program on telephone marketing because we were booking myself and one other person 200 appointments a week, which is pretty much unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I did telemarketing as a student, actually. And I remember it used to think if I could get three out of every hundred, but I only did it in four hour batches. So I'd get through about a hundred yeah. and see if I could get three or four sales. 200 is completely through the roof. Yeah. And so I left there and for a while I went to work at a, a call center, believe it or not. And I was there a couple of weeks and because I hadn't really had any formal training and I thought I was kind of, you know, hot shit because I was actually doing so good when I actually tried it. Um, yeah. But two weeks in at my new job and they were ready to fire me. Um, and yeah, because I, I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the coolest thing happened and this really led to most of the other things that created my successes, Jules, and that was I realized that I was so good at pattern recognition and that I had a knack for memory. So I started studying because they had a leaders board and I told the guy that ran the call center, the manager, I said, give me two weeks. I said, and if I don't succeed, I said, I'll walk away. You won't have to fire me. So I started studying, um, coming in early, staying late, and all lunches, right, and listening to the top 10 people who are on the leaders board. And it took me three weeks, but by the end of three weeks, I was number one in the call center. And I never left that position for three months. At the end of three months, they made me a manager. Three months later, because I took the lowest grossing team and made them the most profitable team, it was the overnight team. Um, yeah. They made me the assistant trainer. Nine months later, I was the um, the trainer. And then a year and a half in total from the time that I almost got fired, um, I became the managing director in the business. So, wow, that is some trajectory. A little bit. I have bit. to say, I loved sales and I was really good at it and I was always at the top of the tree. Um, and then I would leave and go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you followed that through and ended up running the company is amazing. I did. And the coolest thing happened at the very end uh, that that's just another springboard. You know, you ever have feel like, you know, you just walk into things. Yes. Right? So and that they feel right. Yeah. It just feels easy, like all the obstacles just move out the way if, it, if it's meant to be. Yeah. So I had actually recorded um, on paper all of the details of our system. And we picked up um, a guy who was very well known in the marketing circles. His name is Jay Abraham. And we picked him up as a client. And I started training the outbound team. And that became my baby. And we were scoring so high for Jay Abraham and closing such a good number of people to go into his seminars at a $35,000 package over the phone, right? Oh, um, my God. He called yeah. up and he was he was like, you guys have got to be ripping these people off some way. We're getting too good a close. So um, he um, had us fly out and show him our system. And Jay then picked me up as, a, as his expert for phone marketing and started flying me out to California. He's the first one that brought me to Australia. He'd call me right. from the UK um, when we were doing seminars. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, if you, if you turn it, flip it the other way and go, imagine if you had an employee like you, you would. You'd be taking them everywhere. <laughs> You'd want them to know everything. Yes. Yeah, so. So, so we had a lot of fun doing that. So I did that a bunch of years. I became a 
twice published author, recorded, you know, and started traveling as a, a speaker. Um, and then I, I, I ran back into uh, the people from Tony Robbins, and they asked me to be the CEO in Australia. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So how long were you CEO of Tony Robbins for? Less than a year, because I realized I really didn't like being... <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't like being back in corporate. You know, I'd been self-employed for so long and traveling so long yeah. that, you know, I felt kind of cooped up. But I've never lost ties with um, with them and actually have been back to do some seminars for their groups. But what an incredible journey. Well, I know. And the names that, that you, you're just trotting out. But then, to be honest, you just sound like a freaky genius when it comes to sales. I mean, the sorts of closings that you were doing and mm. then to able to document it and turn it into a system, whereas most people like me would have gone, I'm just good at it. Yeah. That's my thing. I don't know why I'm good at it. It's just happened. Yeah. That you managed to then train other people to do it is is incredible. I, but I, that's exactly the same reason why with Go Bold, I created a system, Jules, because most people don't know where they're at. If you don't know where you're at, you don't know which direction to go or how to get to the next level. And most people don't understand how to keep that fire going once they figure out what their power is. Some people right. never figure it out. So, you know, you have to really take people through all the seven levels because it's just so important that they understand how to know where they're at and feel comfortable at that level. Um, Otherwise, you know, you get too far ahead. If you, if, I've seen people do this um, all the time where they, they start marketing a book and they sell maybe 100 or 200 books and they never anticipated that. And all of a sudden, in the back of their brain, they start having this imposter syndrome show oh, up, you know? Which is such a female thing particularly yes. as well. Where yeah. we go, whoa, they might find out that, you know, I'm not as good as they think I am or whatever. I definitely have had that plenty of times myself. Yeah, you know, and many guys just lie about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a fundamental difference. I think that they are quite comfortable and don't see in any way that it's negative towards them if they were to do a few little white lies and say they could do more than they could do. Maybe. And women are almost exactly the opposite and are more than competent and still sit there going, but uh, maybe I'll stuff it up. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, well, see, it's really weird. I'll tell you what's interesting. Um, what most women don't recognize and why they don't actually hit their top rung. And and you know this, and, and, and I don't mind sharing it. I learned all this from from crossing over the gender line, as you know. And yeah. when, I, when I got on, on this side, Jules, what I saw was that the goal line was very, very different, you know. Guys needed to drive for this success and it had to be their personal success and was very raw, you know. Um, right, they, yeah. they achieved it. But for women, it was much more about the significance and the significance in this way. How many other people have I transformed? Have I transitioned? Have I changed? Have I helped to transcend a problem? And that was the goal on this side. And, you know, yeah. it took a while to actually recognize that. But once you get that, you can feel comfortable in that again. And you don't end up feeling like you're always having to compete. So do you think... Um, this is just purely interesting. Do you think that um, going forward now and knowing what you do, I mean, you're in such a unique position to be able to sort of see how guys think and then see how women think. Do you think that things are changing? Do you think that you can see this uprising of women? Because I just can 
feel it instinctively, maybe rather than actually having any science whatsoever <laughs> you know, in the background of it all. I, I don't. I'll tell you. I'll tell it to you this way. Yeah. I was sitting in a room full of very, very strong women, and they were wanted to build this. You know, there's the um, what do you call it? It's like the League of Men that actually. <laughs> um, yeah. And. I forgot the name of the, the. Are you talking like the boys' club type thing that no, blokes have? No, there's a there's actually a males group that actually talks about you know how they can actually solve the problems of the world and and these women wanted to build um, a women's it. group that could actually, you know, do this, and so they invited me to actually be a part of this because I do have a unique perspective and. I sat and, there and, let's, to it. and it's outside of the perspective, incredible skills. Oh, thank you. So I sat there <laughs> listening to these women. And I said, you need to understand something. I'm hearing you as very highly educated, highly successful women who run major businesses. And you're yeah. talking about your strategy is a little too much on the attack. Because if you attack a male, males have been trained to fight. Right. Right. And that's using competition. And what I said to them was, you need to understand that how you actually create successes and are able to compete is through your foresight. You get to change the rules of the game when you know the rules of the game, not just attacking. And so I would say that if women were going to really be able to create this uprising like you're talking about. I don't think it's an uprising. I think it's actually a lifting of that balance in skills. And when you actually lift your skills, you stop worrying about competition and start doing what you're outstanding at and stop doing what you're not good at. So I think it's really important as a human skill to, to really find that balance within yourself. Some people are more internal. Some people are more external. But you and I also those. think women like to collaborate and be part of a group. So in some ways, the way I'm looking at it is, we, I don't want to attack the men. I want to ignore them. I'm just oh, we're on our own path. And what and and something very weird that has happened to me. I think I might have mentioned it to you, but since I've gone really hard on she's the boss, is that I've got more male customers that have come to handle your own PR mm. on the back of me of them thinking, oh my god, I'm going to miss out. I want part of that. Than, than I ever did when I went out and said, come and do my course, you should do it, it's really good. They just kind of, there's been something weird that way. So I think if we just run our own path and do what we want to do, it'll happen organically. I, I don't know about ignoring it. I'll tell you why I say that. I think, I think it's a matter of the languaging, right? I yeah. think women have to know their own skills, not compete, not try and grow their success as male because it it would fail. It's as if yeah. a man would try and succeed as a, you know, with a female set of skills, he would fail. But is there a always a balance within those two, within each person? Yes. And so Absolutely. I think that... Um, I think that women do need to help other women because I haven't seen that as the biggest strength in women. To be perfectly honest. And but then because you've dealt with a lot of people in corporate. So I'm down the other end of the scale working with the, the women who are startups and things. And the amount of support blows my mind all the time. 
Well, you know what? I've been uh, my biggest group of people has been small and medium sized businesses, and your and group is a bit unique um, in that I do find the support, I don't find the judgment. But I've been in a lot of other groups, and yeah. I can tell you, they it's not the same situation. Right. So, yeah. Well, I've uh, yeah, I've had people tell me I'm being very naive, and they don't know what rock I've been under that I'm not seeing it. So, look, you know, I yeah. think it, I think the best way to say it is this, Jules. Whoever you are is who you attract, and you are a, a very nice person, so you attract that same type of person, and and that's why there are some amazing, amazing women around you. Um, but you go to other groups, and if they're out to get money or if they're actually not really looking to help, you know, those women, then those yeah. are the type of women you attract. So Yeah, right. Yeah, I think your group will grow huge. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping too. Um, so let's – so you've grown up, you've done all these different things. So just tell me a little bit about um, – Along the way, have there been any women that you think have been quite pivotal in helping you along the way? And it doesn't matter if you can't think of any, but I just thought because this is a show about women and uplifting other women, if there are any women yeah. along the way, other than your mum, obviously, who sounds incredible, um, that you want to do oh, shout outs or tell amazing. us a little bit about this story, that'd be great. Um, my mother was amazing. Um, you know, when I told her that I was transitioning, she said, I knew. <laughs> I've always known. That was I quite interesting. <laughs> right? And I said, well, it would have been nice of you to give me a clue. <laughs> but, um, um, but I think, I think um, I can't pinpoint at one exact woman. Um, I, I think I've, like you, I've always attracted some of the most amazing people. I've had incredible mentors and I've had incredible people lift me up and move me and teach me and, and guide me. And um, so I can't really pinpoint any, anyone's so That's all right. I, did, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just wondered if anyone had stood out. What about any pivotal moments in your journey, either successes or failures that you've learned from? Is there anything that stands out to you? That as just being something like that someone else could learn from as well. So I'm uh, interested to know what's happened to you, but things that are kind of bigger than just you. Yeah, um, probably, probably the, I would say, and I, I, this is what I tell all my clients, understand that uh, um, the totality of success has 70% failure built into its path, Okay. Oh, what a great thing to say. It gives everyone hope. So really, you've got to, you've got to have failures to learn from them well, in order yes. to end up successful. You, you have to learn to survive. See, failure is below survival level. Think right. about that for a second. So if you failed, that's below survival. So yep. I teach clients how to survive and then thrive and then succeed and then become significant. But along the way, you, you look, you run into people who are who are dangerous sometimes to not only your business, but your your health. And I had a call center um, and we had some major, major clients at that time. And um, Jay Abraham asked me to go to Australia, come here to speak. And this was in 1999. Wow. Came here doing the seminar, got back home, couldn't find my business partner. And right. 
none of the salespeople were, were in our call center. And I called up the, um, our manager and said, what's going on? She goes, well, she goes, you know, your, your business partner locked us out. And I think you better check your business accounts. So I checked my business accounts. And we were in a building where this guy was a multimillionaire and, and he had three businesses in the building. And I don't really know what happened with him that caused him to do Sorry, this. Sorry, so but... your business partner was the multimillionaire right. guy. And right. so he took um, and took a million dollars out of our bank account, <gasps> took a million dollars out of both of the other businesses' bank account and disappeared into the world. In oh the process, you know, bankrupt our business, bankrupted... Um, two of our major clients and what they were doing and um, sort of left me with everything to actually figure out. And it took me about seven years to actually get out of the debt and actually be able to get everything resolved because you can't leave people hanging. What's happened to him? Tell me that somebody caught up with him at some stage and he's in jail. have no idea what happened to him. Disappeared. So he really just managed to disappear. I, you know, I think he might have been a little too connected and maybe, you know, sleeping with a horse's head or something. I don't know what happened to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, something, somebody's but, managed to. Yeah, but the biggest lesson was this. To come back from that, right, and to start another business and be able to go in and help people then to start to build their business, I learned so much about partner agreements and what you need to do with them and how yes. to make sure that you take care of all that, that I actually went out and sought lawyers who let me go in and do mediation then for partners that were actually struggling and that lawyers couldn't, didn't understand, you know, all those things that were happening yeah. in the business. So I started, I created the business of doing that, um, <laughs> which was You fun. are amazing. But the, you're right, actually, because I can even think the first time I ever set up my own business at about 21, I decided I would do printing and design for people because I'd worked in newspapers and I was used to that. And had the same thing. I remember this guy in Turak, which is a very expensive part of Melbourne, um, asked me for his pizza shop to do some flyers for him. And I did them and then he never paid me. And I spent a year and a half paying back the printer. Same thing. I had to pay them back. But boy, oh boy, did I learn. And when I set up my first business as a partnership, writing that partnership agreement and the exit clause, which actually saved my bacon later on, made so much sense. And and I mean, if we were ever to advise anyone who's listening, it would be get that structure together and work out how you're going to walk away from this if they do it. But I mean, you would never expect someone to clean out your bank account and and disappear on you. No, I, I tell people, number one, get your structure right. And then work on your strategy and also at the same time, make sure that you've got a good network and make sure you've got great advisors. But most people don't do the last two and get strategy and structure backwards. And if you do that, you, you're running a risk, a big risk that your business will fail. And I tell people, don't do it for yourself. Do it because you are actually going out there and getting clients and yep. you owe it to them to take care of them in that way. That's a really good way of putting it, actually, as well. So you have this amazing passion project at the moment that's, I reckon, just going to go off. Oh, thank you. How are you juggling it? How is work and life looking as a business owner? I just want, I like asking this because some people structure it and have days and evenings and other people, it's all seamless. So how does your life look? For probably the last uh, almost, almost 20 years, I would say, 
Um, I've actually had the same set of rules. So my rules are actually pretty simple. I start early and I finish early. So my goal is always to have anything that I need to do done before 10 o'clock. And then I usually go from 10 o'clock till maybe 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock um, working on um, project, right? So like Go Bold is every day, including yesterday. Um, and and I make sure that I finish up pretty good. Um, I keep my ritual. So what, hang on, when you say you start early, how early do you start? Are you getting up at five most mornings? Or? I'm, I'm a 5.30 person. So I get up 5.30. Yeah. I start into my rituals then. Um, and, you know, my son who, my oldest son lives with me and our youngest son li- lives with me. And, and he knows um, not to talk to me before 7 or 7.30 because... <laughs> Um, I'm actually in me mode and getting all the things done that I need to do to make sure that my day and my week, my month, my life go quite smoothly. Mm. Wow, you sound so incredibly organized. I love that. I sometimes do the five and I hate working late. I'm I'm with you on that. Mm. Uh, But I definitely go with the flow. And if I haven't got work on, I'm very happy to take some time off and blob on the sofa. Yeah. And I kind of sense that maybe you're not that person. <laughs> I, you know, I do, I do flop on the, on the sofa. I mean, if I've had a really busy day, you'll find me taking a little nana nap every now and then. <laughs> oh, good. Great. Yeah. But I mostly, I, I keep to my rituals. I meditate on my purpose and highest mission daily. And when I say meditate, I don't mean sit, you know, in lotus position or anything like that. I go through it and my goal is every day to add just one little detail to what I want the outcome to be on the other side of my achievements. Um, so that way I can I just keep driving for that vision then. And my highest mission is always to take care of human beings to the best of my ability. But um, I stay really flexible and open to my intuitions. And I really let the world bring me answers and ideas so I'm always and does the world deliver? Mm. But I don't overwork and I don't overplay. Well, once in a while I will overplay. My goodness, of course. <laughs> I would be upset if you weren't every once in a while yeah. doing an overplay. About four times a year I let myself because I've got some friends who will definitely take me to the dark side when they need to. You know. Um, oh my god, I so want to spend one of those naughty nights with you at some stage. Done deal. You, with... <laughs> <laughs> but I. All right now. Sorry, go on. Were you going to uh, say my something? last one is, is actually pretty simple. I have a very firm rule of I charge for my expert skills, but yeah. I give my internal gifts away. So that's when, that's how I live my life. That's a that's a, a really good motto to live life by. Now here's a here's another one sort of out of left field, and if you can't think of anything, it doesn't matter. But is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know? Probably not. I would say you've probably given most of your secrets away. But. No, there is something that I do that's pretty weird. Um, but it's it's one of the ways that I that I grow myself. So what I do is I call yeah. it I call it wave five. So what I do is I'm studying different things. Like right now I'm doing a quantum mechanics course, a mathematics course. And you can find these online on YouTube, right? So I find five courses that I want to study and I put them on on very low volume and then over and all five of them are going at the exact same time and then I find I've got one of those eight hour wave you know wave sounds and I put that louder than the rest of what I'm studying 
and I play that every single night. And so playing those five different strategies, like one is on chaos theory as well. So, But they're running at exactly the same time. All so of them are playing five, at a very... Five voices over the top of each other. Yes, and and over, but you can't hear them. They're almost inaudible. And then I run um, a wave sound over all of them. And I go to sleep thinking about one specific problem um, that I want to solve. And that's how I wake up with answers. So that's kind of weird. That's <laughs> freaky. That is freaky. That's amazing. But really, wow, that's probably a fact I don't think I'll hear from anyone else. Five and quantum physics and <laughs> quantum engineering and like, oh my God. All right. So now we're just going to have a little bit of fun before the end. If you okay. look at your phone, other than banking, because everyone always says banking, what are the two most useful apps that you use for business? Oh, that's easy. Um, Notekeeper, um, Google okay. Notekeeper and Notability. And the reason is because it's not what happens to you is my belief. It's not what happens to you. It's the ideas, the notes and distinctions that you can actually glean from it. I think too many people look at a gross situation and get emotional about it instead of actually being able to see the lessons. And those two, um, those two apps I use daily, if not multiple times a day. And I've got thousands of ideas and notes um, listed in those. Wow. You know, you remind me a little bit of one of my favorite movies. I don't know whether you've ever seen this. I think it was very B grade. It was called Night Shift. And it had Michael Keaton and Henry Fonda as two guys who worked in a morgue at night. And Michael Keaton was this ideas man and he couldn't stop. And he had this I mean, this is back in the early 80s, I would say. He had a little voice recorder. <laughs> and all through the movie, he's like, and another idea. And I just always remember him talking about tuna mayonnaise sandwiches and why don't they just feed the mayonnaise to the tuna and then it would come. <laughs> See, now that makes sense to me. <laughs> well, there you go. So you, you need to watch that movie at some stage. And then do you do any games or anything? Do you have a fun app that you use for your personal time? I do. I do. I um, you know what? I'm really a lot about learning, I guess you could say. And so podcast is my number one because I listen to um, Off Camera with Sam Jones. It's, it's amazing to me. And I'll listen to anything Tim Ferriss. He's one of my heroes. Um, I right. think the only other thing that I really use is Kindle. Yeah, no, well, Kindle. And, and for me, discovering the Kindle app that you could put it on your iPhone, because I remember I bought a Kindle before I bought an iPad. Oh, okay. And I didn't like it. And then I got rid of it and I got the iPad and I was like, but I'm missing the Kindle. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's an app. Yes. I remember. I think I've got about 200 books from the one year that I used it. And then I moved into iBooks. But uh. um, I hear you. Well, look, what a great interview you are. Seriously. Oh, thank <laughs> one you. One of the most amazing women I know. And um, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on here. So thank you heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps. And I reckon everyone's going to find this a fascinating um, interview to listen to. So thank you so much, JJ. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Jules. I love talking with you. I mean, I just always feel so comfortable with you. So thank you. My pleasure. All right. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Firstly, I've got the She's the Boss show, which is on Ticker TV. Now, you can watch that either on tickertv.com.au or you can download the Ticker app 
from any of the app stores. So Apple and Android, and they've got an app that is for your phone, for your iPad or tablet, and for the smart TV. Or you could join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. The best way to do any of these things really is go to she's the boss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode. 